Welcome to Tax Bites for Expats, the top tax tips you want to know as an expat. The podcast is here to help answer the common queries and concerns expats have when moving to or from Ireland. Complex taxes explained simply. We'll focus on the Irish and international tax issues to be aware of to ensure you save time, money and stress. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Tax Bites for Expats. Today we are going to speak with Jenny Stein. Jenny is a client of ours and a very interesting character who has explained lots to me about what it's like to be an expat in Ireland. We have a previous episode on this series where we interviewed some clients of ours who had made the move to Ireland and it was very popular. So we were really keen when Jenny offered to join us because she's going to share her experience of what it was like to move to Ireland, the issues she's encountered, and all the little tips and tricks that you probably want to know if you're in the middle of planning a move here. So Jenny, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you on to speak with us. Same. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Your story is really interesting. Yourself and Tom, we were just talking before we started to record, you have interesting backgrounds, uh, I suppose from a career perspective, in terms of where you've lived. Give us a, a brief rundown of your story and you know what brought you to Ireland. I suppose what brought us to Ireland was my husband's work. He works in film sound. and But to back up even further, my work was industrial design. So in the winter of 1992, we basically, I moved to Milan, Italy. We went to Milan, Italy, and I got a job there. And because I was working in Italy, then Tom was working on jobs with Tornatore down at Cinecitta in Rome. But it's a circ- it all sort of circles back on itself. It's like this big ball of yarn. Previous to me working as an industrial designer, I had actually worked in film editing and film sound. And so I had worked with someone named Doug Murray. He had come over to help a small studio get going with post-production sound at in, down in Bray at Ardmore Studios. His wife is Irish, and I had worked with Douglas before back in San Francisco. Anyhow, this company was basically trying to get a toehold in post-production sound by offering an American-style mix mm-hmm. because companies were, you know, film production studios were coming over and shooting things like Harry Potter and stuff, mixing it in England not getting the mix they want and going back to America to get a proper mix. So um, they basically felt with Tom, who had won an Oscar for Titanic and another one for Terminator 2, that he would be able to offer an American-style mix. But actually backing up a little bit, they had tried a bunch of different people to come over for a project. And somehow when Tom came, he was that perfect person. Mm-hmm. And so they offered us, they offered him a full-time job. So if initially we were going back and forth between Milan and San Francisco, we were now going back and forth between Milan, Ireland, and San Francisco, and it became too much. So we, we actually sold our apartment in San Francisco and weren't there for a few years. And we're just back and forth between Milan and Ireland. And then at a certain point, when I, when I left, officially left Italy 10 years ago, we resumed going back and forth between San Francisco and Dublin. And now we're both 70, 69, 71. We have just sold our place in San Francisco and are now permanently here in Ireland. So that's a very non-linear, terrible story to describe who we no, are. No, it's not. Uh, any story where you just drop the word Oscar into it, Oscar nominated <laughs> winner, it's not linear. It's pretty amazing. Okay, I have lots of questions. I suppose 
you know, what's interesting is for Irish people, some of whom maybe listen to this podcast, he said Milan, he said San Francisco, and then he said Bray. Uh, why Ireland? Because, you know, I know there was work, but the work maybe now is not there anymore because you guys are retired. What was it that drew you to Ireland when you had the options of other, obviously, places you could live where you had homes? Well, we did and we didn't. By the time we were started looking for a property, we would have been what I call on the road for 12 years. And we were sort of, you know, bungee cording back and forth between San Francisco and Milan and then now Dublin. We had this desire to just have a little corner of the earth we could call our own. And so, and we, at the time, we were living in Dalkey in this wonderful um, two-story apartment above the optician in, in Dalkey. And we started looking and I drew a radius around, you know, from Bray. And I should have drawn it, drawn it just a little bit larger than I did because we might have ended up in Animo. But anyhow, that's how we came to, to end up in Roundwood. We found this place. It took us nine months to get all the dots connected so that we could buy it. And that was in 2005. And then shortly after the, the economy collapsed, the place was worth half as much. It didn't make sense to sell it. So we just, we, we kept going. And then we started fixing up old buildings as a, a 200 year old bar, um, stone cottage and a stone barn and other things. And we just slowly, starting in 2009, started fixing things up. And by then, the, um, what's the motorway called? The ring road, the M50. But by then, that was built, which was fantastic because it meant that we could get to the airport easily enough. And even if my heart would love to have been out in the West, I think in the end, this place where we ended up was the best place. We, we worked with a couple of brothers who are builders. And that made it possible, plus also the ease of going back and forth. So I actually kind of think of it that Ireland somehow took us into their, its embrace. Like it, Ireland would have it, and we're happy to be had by Ireland. If that is a better way to say it, but like of all the places in all the world, how did we end up here? It's just by circumstance, but it fits, you know? Uh, you know, it's funny because we have a lot of clients in a situation similar to yourself, maybe like, you know, they're about to move to Ireland. And and the things that we hear regularly are, you know, it's English speaking, it's not far from Europe, but it's equally not that far from the States. Uh, you know, it's it's got access to job markets, you know, it's 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 relatively easy to move here depending on your visa situation. And I kind of hearing that maybe for you it was more just something that happened as opposed to was planned. In terms of the people who are listening to this today and who maybe are making the move, uh, I know you provided some brilliant feedback for us on the recent ebook that we, we designed about moving to Ireland. What I'm hoping you can kind of share with us is, you know, if you could turn back the clock and you were moving here or you were sitting with a friend who's planning a move to Ireland, somebody in your situation, maybe in retirement or approaching retirement, what tips would you give them? And particularly if we can distill three or four, that would be really useful for the people who've decided to listen today. Well, I would say the main thing that I tell people, and that, that would be irregardless of why they're moving here, is to understand that none of it is rocket science. That every single thing you have to do, whether it's opening a bank account or getting a PPS number, those are all things that whoever I'm speaking to, I say, those are all the things that you've done from when you were a child, opening a savings account, you know, getting your social security number. The only difference is you didn't do them all at once. 
it's spread out and it, it's, but when you start to do it, when you have to do it all at once and they're all intertwined, it can feel overwhelming. But honestly, it's just, it's not, it's not different. Did you find the Irish systems more bureaucratic, frustrating, perhaps? I don't know how I expect the system in Milan to be, but like from a US perspective, do you see big differences between how governments administrated administered in Ireland compared to the US? Well, yeah, but I would, you, you slid into Italy for a little while. Italy was the most bureaucratic, but it was also the most humane in the sense that if you were trying to do something and the answer was no, like I was trying to renew my papers at one point, the answer was, well, here's an appointment for three months from now. And I was actually trying to renew my papers because I had goods coming in that would sit in Naples and incur a storage fee. And it was Christmas, two days before Christmas, my parents were here. It was just insane. And in my limited Italian, I basically kept asking and the person behind the the counter basically said, oh, here, go talk to this person. I talked to the next person, explained everything. And then they said, oh, well, here, go talk to this person. And that person said, okay, fine, we'll renew it today. So that sort of thing is very particularly Italian. We haven't bumped into nearly as much of that here in Ireland, in part because I'm now an Italian citizen. um, And along the way, Tom became an Irish citizen. But I do remember early days, which don't exist anymore, where we were in at 5 a.m. in the morning in long lines of people to renew papers. And they would, this actually happened where three people before us, they said, okay, we're only taking 100 people today and we'll see you guys tomorrow. And so we came back tomorrow and went through the whole process. Although in fairness, that first day, I think we started at 8 a.m. and the next day we came back at 5 a.m. And now they've got a whole center in Dublin and they've got, you know, the Wicklow. We also would go to the Wicklow Guard. Um, and it's quite easy and organized and logical and pa- painless. Mm. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right there. I mean, what we encountered as well when we came back from Australia was that a lot of the government systems had become, you know, online based. When we were away, they were gone for eight years. So PPS numbers can be applied for online. You can apply for other government benefits and services online. So yeah, there's probably been a shift in the last five or 10 years towards that. In terms of day-to-day life in Ireland, one of the things I was looking back on uh, that, that struck me was that you guys have really tried to like inculcate yourself into like Irish culture. In one of your emails, you mentioned that you guys have learned Irish. And that blew me away because most Irish people, we learn it for like 12 years and we struggle. It's terrible. It's a tragedy, but we struggle. So you probably have more Irish than I do. What, what was that? Was that like, we're here we want to be part of it. This is what we're going to do. What drove that decision to learn a really hard language? Well, it was it was just another one of those things that sort of comes into your field of vision. You say yes. So what we had this was before COVID started. Uh, we had made a reservation out on Inishmain Island for a week for my birthday, and the reason it took so long was basically you you really had to do it well in advance, and so it was a very delayed birthday celebration. And it happened to fall in the midst of COVID, which was perfect because to be out there and be isolated and everyone was doing COVID measures was perfect and easy. And it was nice to break away in the middle of, you know, of COVID. While we were there, we were at the, at the Inishmane Knitting Company and just chatting with someone who was Irish. I don't know how we got onto the subject of language and words, but we did. And she basically, she said, oh, you should learn Irish and you can go on Duolingo and 
You can also join, you know, she mentioned a few sources. And so literally the next day we joined up and I've now been on Duolingo three years. So it's, I don't necessarily recommend it as the sole way of learning. There's so many different ways of learning. And I can't speak Irish to save my life, although I'm getting better. You really need to be able to use it. But I've come across a few sources, um, like the Trailblazerate. They do a hedge school, the Skolaskarta. And that is a way to bring Irish alive and make it fun and interesting. And also Irish with Molly, who offers an online course, and she does an Instagram feed every day. And she is absolutely brilliant at making the language interesting and lively and relatable. And so uh, honestly, once I started, I thought, why didn't I think of learning Irish sooner? Because the very first thing I did in moving to Italy, even before I moved to Italy, was to learn the language but it just never occurred to me. It is impenetrable, but it is so rewarding to understand when people say, oh, the weather is really dirty. That comes from Irish. It's not from English, you know, like if it's a really bad day. I I don't, to me, it's such a lovely thing to see somebody do when they come to Ireland is to try and learn the language because the reality is in a day-to-day basis, you don't need it to function. You do it by choice. And it's obviously a sign that yourself and Tom have kind of said, you know, we're here now. This is where we are. And we we are identifying with the culture locally. Do you find it difficult kind of assimilating? When, I mean, you guys have been here for many years, but like, what was it like trying to make friends? When, when you come and you lived elsewhere, you obviously had careers, you were busy, but, you know, maybe you land in Roundwood, which is not a massive place, really. Was it easy to kind of make friends and become part of the community? I would qual- I would give you a qualified answer, which is, I don't know if it's easy to make friends because we haven't really made what I would call true friends, but it was, it was easy, very easy to be integrated into the neighborhood in which we moved, which was somewhat r- rural. In fact, the very first day when we came with the keys, suddenly everyone came out of the woodwork and introduced themselves. And yeah, no, I would say it's very easy to be here. Um, in Ireland, especially in rural Ireland. But I would say we've actually tried to integrate ourselves into Irish culture per se, or into the community per se. But having said that, for the last eight years, I've been part of a beekeeping group here in Ireland. So that's that certainly um, keeps me connected with an aspect of the community. And that's such a good way. Like, you know, I think when you move to a new country, you, you kind of have this idea in your head that maybe you'll just bump into people and you'll become friends. And I think the reality is anytime you move to any country, it's when you kind of get involved in something like that, you know, go to a group or go to a community event that you do end up meeting people with similar interests. And that's when friendships can kind of form. But I suppose it's difficult when you're not local and you're in a rural community. Everybody maybe knows each other because they grow up together. And you're potentially not from the, not an outsider, but you're not, you know, you don't know the area initially. You're, you're new. Yeah. No, I would, I would absolutely encourage anyone to join any sort of group because it's that sort of repeated contact that pulls you into the community. Mm. Do you find, is there a big US expat community living in Ireland? Is, is that something that you see active? That's a very interesting question because I am not at all involved in that I I know very few Americans. There's one American at the Roundwood stores here in Roundwood where I go and, and do my shopping, my food shopping. Whereas in 
Italy, I was extreme. I was very aware of there was a professional women's association and other expat groups that were primarily UK and American. And I, I'm not aware of that here, although I'm sure it exists. But be, I don't, I don't avail of it the way I, I did initially when I moved to Italy. Mm, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? The longer you're somewhere, the the less you need those things. I think to some extent. You had mentioned it's valid in your emails to me that you know you had comments around bringing pets to Ireland, you know, bringing goods, all the things that, you know, uh, retirees can benefit from. Kind of to come back to what we said at the start, any other tips or insights you give people along that practical line of, you know, don't worry about registering for things you need to do. It. What is it? What was it about moving to Ireland or what distillation would you have of the wisdom, let's say, of somebody who's been living here and who's moved many times? That's difficult because you will always bump into something that looks like an obstacle. And then somehow you end up working your way around it. For example, the last, we've shipped things overseas four times now. And the last time was, was our household goods from San Francisco. So you'd think that it would have been easy household goods, personal items. But then we came across this one category, which was tools. And we were actually were sending over woodworking tools. And we thought, oh, Jesus. But um, in the end, it was fine. And we also, because we got caught in COVID, we had become resident here. I would say the one thing is to be aware that you have a certain leeway to bring goods in that's based on the date when you have actually flown over here and established your residency. You can't, it's just, it's not an open date that can be left forever. It's typically within a year, let's say. And so because we got stuck here with COVID and couldn't fly back and sell the house, there was two years had elapsed. And so we ended up writing a letter explaining that and it was fine. I, I think definitely during COVID the, there was leniency on the tax front. It was limited, but. Just to come back to your point about the tools, what was the out there? Because I had a client contact me the other day, actually, who had issues bringing tools into the country. I think uh, customs were trying to claim that he was bringing them in for work purposes. And he's just a hobby he has is to use his tools in his shed. So what was the out there for you? Obviously, they were trying to levy customs because of the, the tools you had. Well, it was one of those things that was listed, but they never came at us. They, they never queried us about it. So we slid through. Okay, I okay. I don't know how. <laughs> Let's not ask. <laughs> What's done is done. <laughs> exactly. But the, the, the one thing I would say um, that could be addressed that maybe hasn't been is if people are coming over to be here for two or three years and then planning to go back, they end up in a very different, somewhat different situation, I believe, whereby they you can post a bond on the things you bring over and say, I will take them away. I, I will take them with me when I leave Ireland. And then you get your bond back. Okay. And it's the, it's revenue's way of making sure you don't bring things over and sell them. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes when we get queries from clients, we're not experts in that space. There's relocation providers and customs brokers. And, you know, the advice we generally give people is it's worth sometimes paying the fee to get them to help you navigate it because they can help you at the customs checkpoints, they can help you with paperwork. We had friends in Australia who were importing their personal effects from Ireland to Australia and they inadvertently put some Irish whiskey in yes. the boxes. 
and their goods were impounded for weeks uh, by the Australian customs forces because obviously there needs to be excise pays on that. And this was a completely innocent, let's just pack up our living room, oh, there's a few bottles of Irish whiskey, let's put them in. So something like that, where you've inadvertently not thought of, oh, sugar, what about that? It's, it meant they didn't have their personal goods for weeks and weeks. It was a nightmare for them. I think it's an area that's definitely worth treading carefully if you're inexperienced. Yes, and I, I, I would I would agree with you that having a broker paying someone to actually work some of those wrinkles out before you actually get to them um, is a good idea because Ireland is similar. It's this you know alcohol is taxed, and you could easily pack up a case of your favorite wines that you've been holding on to when you come over. You know, it's a very innocent mistake to make. Yeah, very much so. So we we brought over two cats from San Francisco to. Milan, and we got all the papers and got the rabies shots, and we checked with the airline. And we went to the airline. I was Tom was working, and I was going to fly with the two cats and two separate whatever they're called carriers, cat carriers. And we get to to the airport, and they said, "Oh, I'm sorry, you can't take those cats today." <laughs> and so, and I don't know what the reasoning was. Like there was someone who's allergic, or some other cat, or who, who knows what they didn't have room. And so we went home. Tom actually bought a ticket and came with me the next day, which we moved my flight around and we actually went and we, we went through Switzerland and then to Milan and I had the papers and I walked through waving them to like, to see who would actually check them. And it didn't matter after I'd gone through all of that fuss. So then the cats were, it's like, Oh, let's bring them to Ireland from Milan. And so I went through a similar thing where I, we got little um, microchips embedded under their skin and rabies shots. And I'm not sure if, at the time if I would have had to have quarantined them because it was UK rules. I don't remember. And the cat was 17 didn't make it. So I don't actually know the end of that Aww. story. But I do know that Ireland and the UK are, are a little bit, have different rules than other countries. And it's worth looking into. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we had a cat in Australia and we didn't bring him back because for the reason, you know, the trauma of transporting them all that way and the cost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're little members of your family and it's definitely something to plan for in advance because yeah, we do have experts on those. But again, you're right. There's rules here around where they can come from and what needs to happen. What surprised you about Ireland? You've been here for time now. What is it that Jenny of 20 years ago wouldn't have realised about life in Ireland? And now she's lived here, she, this is just like, yeah, I didn't realise it would be such and such. I think the thing that surprised me the most is actually this thing that still surprised, that surprised me 20 years ago. And that is, I very early on came to see Ireland and Italy as sister brother countries. They're both Catholic. They're both agriculturally based. One is very much physical and surfaces and patina and construction. It's Italy and design and the physical, all of that physicality. Um, and Ireland is completely the opposite. It's a celebration of word and music and storytelling and all the non-physical things that can't be controlled. So they couldn't be controlled by the British, for example. There are the things that you are free always to express. And I think that's what I love about learning Irish now is that the language is so poetic and so spiritual and so amazing. And so I'm actually, I'm rediscovering that thing that I first felt about Ireland, which is that it's in all of those spoken word music storytelling is 
this incredible richness. Mm. Oh, that, that's really, that, that's a lovely thing to bring out. And I think, to be honest, as an Irish person who lived overseas, that's probably one of the things I missed because, you know, in Australia, I didn't feel that it, it was, it had its positives, but, you know, everyone loves their home, but Ireland, I think, is a special place in that sense. It's warm, it's rich. And, and, and as a population, we enjoy all those things that we have a lovely heritage, you know, the lands of saints and scholars. Okay. That's really interesting. Can I add one more thing? So this is, this is the next answer, which is the thing that I absolutely love about Ireland and why I'm so glad that we're here and that the Irish will have us is that it's a small country and it's nimble, which means that when something happens in the Ukraine, they immediately, the government immediately says, here, come, we'll give you health cards, we'll find you a place to live. There's no long, drawn-out discussion and debating back and forth, and, as there would be in America, which is a great country. It's a very large country, but it's a very different way of governing. So I am very, very proud to be here in Ireland. I have to say, it's a, it's a great little country. Um, what do you miss about the States? It's funny, in the early days, it used to be standing on a street corner eating a hot dog. And we would do that whenever we were back. Nowadays, I would say I miss the most wonderful farmer's markets that you get, especially in California, but even in Massachusetts, where you have hundreds of farmers gathered selling all sorts of vegetables, meats, fruits, products. I miss that spirit. I miss that that wonderful gathering of people and food. Mm, wow, yeah. Jenny, it's been so lovely to talk to you and I think even just learn a little bit more about, you know, the why and the how and the what keeps you here. Uh, so many people that we talk to, we have them with tax problems. You know, we, we're we not experts in, I suppose, helping people move their lives from one part of the world to the other. But um, people are really like to hear these stories because anybody planning the move, you know, they have questions about what they should do, what it's gonna, what's going to happen. None of us can predict that, but it's always nice to hear, you know, when someone's gone before you. So thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. Your story is really interesting. I've listened to you all day, to be honest. And um, yeah, you never know. We'll have to, might have to have you on again for round two. Might have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Tax Bites for Expats. Please do leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, remember to take professional tax advice specific to your personal circumstances before acting or refraining from action in connection with the matters dealt with in this series. The material in this podcast is intended to give general guidance only.